Uh, good morning. My name is Jeff Pearson. I'm the area director for Young Life in Montgomery County, um, and I get the pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, how about the announcements, the multitasking that was happening there? That was impressive. Um, hey, I wanted to, before I get too far, I wanted to thank you guys. You've been faithful supporters of Young Life here in Montgomery County for years, uh, long before I was around. We've been here for the last almost four years, and we just want to say thank you for that. It's an honor to be with you guys this morning. Uh, on Mission Sunday as uh, we get to meet some of the missionaries that the church supports besides myself as well. Uh, we're really thankful for them going out and doing God's work. I work with high school students and middle school students, so I don't cross uh, all the cultural language barriers, albeit there are some uh, we're working with those populations. Uh, my wife Julie and I have four children. Uh, they had some commitments at our church. They couldn't be here this morning. They wanted me to pass along saying hi to you. There's a picture in the bulletin of uh, they're much better looking than I am, so unfortunately they're not up here right now. Again, just thank you to the church uh, for you guys and your faithful support and service of Young Life in Montgomery County. Uh, a quick blurb about Young Life before we jump in, and, and we'll have a table back there. I'd love to chat with you as well. As, for those who don't know, we're a nonprofit international non-denominational outreach ministry. That's a mouthful. Uh, we work in about 110 countries worldwide in all 50 states, and I'm just the local guy of Montgomery County for that. We work specifically uh, as an outreach to high school students, middle school students. Uh, we have a program for teenage moms, one for kids with special needs, and then more recently, Young Life's kind of growing into college. Our mission statement is uh, introducing adolescents to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith, and adolescence is being uh, is older and older these days. So uh, if we're about our mission statement, we got to be about college students. So uh, some of you guys can attest to that. But once again, I just want to say thank you. Um, I think about Mission Sunday. I think about true missionary moments, uh, some that I've been able to have, the privilege to have. I remember sitting uh, when we first got hired in, in our last place with Young Life, sitting at a high school football game. On a Friday night, trying to do what Young Life calls contact work, which is being where students are, hanging out with them, earning their right to be heard. Uh, these are things that Jesus did. We're just trying to copy him. Um, and I remember sitting next, I was coaching soccer, I was sitting next to one of our soccer guys, and I'm thinking, I'm, at this point I think I'm 22, fresh out of college. I've got a large afro of hair. Uh, it was really curly and just went out. Um, I had a giant necklace. I looked a lot cooler than I do right now. And... Um, I was hanging out sitting next to one of my soccer guys, and um, he was sec- sitting next to two high school girls, two ladies that I think he was trying to impress, and I'm thinking, this guy is lucky to be sitting next to me. He's thinking, please leave. Um, and uh, I remember at one point, I said, I'm just asking him questions, just trying to get him to know him a little bit more off the soccer field. And true story, he turns to me and says, hey coach, don't you have any friends your own age? And uh, I had just moved to town, and I had to honestly answer, no, I do not. Uh, and so that was one of those moments where it's like, where is your identity wrapped in? Uh, is it in the uh, the words of a high school guy, or is it in what Jesus says about us? And I use that as a funny example, but there's also serious implications to that. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you guys about today's message is packing for the trip. And I'll pause there and say, this assumes that we are on a journey. This assumes that we are on a trip. Um, I want to read you guys a story from the book, The Sacred Romance, uh, by authors Curtis and Eldridge. And it says this on page 155. The title of this section is What to Bring Along. In her essay, An Expedition to the Pole, Annie Dillard describes the provisions carried along by 19th century explorers in their search for the North Pole. Each sailing vessel carried an auxiliary steam engine and t- a 12-day supply of coal for the entire projected two or three years voyage. Instead of additional coal, each ship made room for a 1,200-volume library, a hand organ playing 50 tunes, china place settings for officers and men, cut glass wine goblets, and sterling silver flatware. 
The expedition carried no special clothing for the Arctic, only the uniforms of Her Majesty's Navy. Years later, Inuit Eskimos came across frozen remains of the expedition. Men dressed in their finery and pulling a lifeboat laden with place settings of sterling silver and some chocolate. Their naivety is almost beyond comprehension, but perhaps it will motivate us to be better outfitted for our own journey. There are certain things we need to bring along on this journey that life, this life journey the Lord has called us on, and there are certain things we should leave behind. What we need to take, be, be prepared for where God is calling us, and what we need to leave behind and let go of. God is calling all of us. He wants us to be willing to answer, to hear and answer His call. This is again assuming that we are on a journey. We should be, we are all called to be. Do you ever feel as if you don't know what to pack for life? Or maybe you feel like you are overpacked and not sure where to go. God is calling all of us to go with him. Today we're going to look at the trip that God is calling us on. And um, as I, we have four kids and I think about when we go on journeys, there are certain things we absolutely need to bring with us. And there are certain things that I have to, even if I want to, I need to leave them behind to fit it all. Will you pray with me? Lord, thanks so much for this morning. Uh, Lord, thanks for the opportunity to be together and to talk about what you're doing here locally and, and across this world. Uh, Lord, thank you for the, the people here in this congregation who uh, are going to their neighbors, to their coworkers, to their family members. Thank you for the friends here visiting today who are going to other places, different places around this region, country, and abroad. Lord, I pray that we'd understand that you have called us all to go on a journey with you and to tell others about who you are. Lord, I pray that it would be your words today, not my own, and that we would hear from you. In your name I pray. Amen. Sometimes we get caught up in things that keep us from going with God. God has called us to go and spread the message of his love, but we need to do so and not just sit in what is familiar. Today we're going to look at the trip that God has called us to go on by being in a relationship with him. We're going to look mostly at scripture that are the words of Jesus directly from his mouth. Um... And we're going to talk about going with God today. We're going to be able to talk about going where it's easy and then moving from that place to going where it's, it's more difficult. The first passage that was read to you guys this morning, pretty familiar, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I'm going to read that uh, again here real quick. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first point that we're going to talk about this morning is the Great Commission. We are called to go. We are all called to go. Near, far, doesn't matter. We're called to go. The first part of actually going on a trip is starting the trip. The first start of a, the first part of a journey is knowing, hey, I've been called, I, I gotta go in this direction and I better do it or else I'm just, I'm not moving at all. We're commanded to go. Um, we are Jesus' disciples. Jesus commanded his disciples to go. We are Jesus' disciples. We're commanded to go. The Greek word for he, here for go means going now where you are. It assumes that you're moving in a direction. You're not standing still. In the Blue Letter Bible, it breaks this down to say, uh, the go here is to pursue the journey on which one has entered, to continue on one's journey. So again, we are assuming, the Lord is assuming, he's telling us that you were supposed to be going in a direction. 
Now, we're not all called to go to the same places, to the same people, but we're called to go. And the Lord promises that he will be with us. He doesn't say, hey, just go get going, and 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 sorry, you're on your own, it's it. In Young Life, we talk about uh, reaching out to high school students, and we, we train our leaders, our volunteer leaders, who are the hands and feet of the ministry. They're the ones who are going to go spend time in the lives of high school students. They're going to be deliberate. They're going to... Matt, one of our staff associates right now, he's coaching soccer at Upper Dublin High School. He loves soccer, but he's doing that to spend time with high school students. And we tell our leaders the same thing. We don't just say, hey, there's the high school, good luck. No, no, we train them, we spend time with them, we go with them. In the same way Jesus said, hey, go... But you're not going alone. I'm going with you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to be with you all along the way. To go means that you can't sit still. Waiting for things to first fall into place. To make sense. It's easy to go where we have always gone. To look like we're doing what God has called us to do. By just doing what's familiar. Uh, In in Mark uh, 12, 38 says... Look at the Pharisees. As he taught them, he said, watch out for the teachers of the law who like to walk around in their long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace. The marketplace was familiar. It was normal. It was not really going anywhere. And I think sometimes we get caught in that place of like, well, there's no natural way to jump off. It doesn't always make sense, but that's true of the Lord. It's not, it oftentimes doesn't make sense to the world. And I think sometimes, I know I do this, it's like, well, I'll go once... Dot, dot, dot. Well, I'll go once uh, once these bills are paid. Or I'll go once um, I get my family all situated, which my family's important. Don't hear that. But I'll go once what? Like, I'll go once it makes more sense. I'll go once I have the fifth confirmation from the Lord. I'll go once fill in the blank. And the reality is it's not natural to jump into some of these things. It's It's the Lord. Sometimes it shouldn't be natural. Sometimes it shouldn't make sense. And that's usually where the Lord shows up. This idea of who wants to go first, right? Like it's, well, I'll go once I've seen somebody else kind of blaze the trail and then I can kind of follow behind. No, no, the Lord's asking you to go somewhere uh, and follow him. He's the one blazing the trail. Uh, we have this program in Young Life called Wildlife, appropriately named for middle school students and their energy level. God bless them. And... Um, what happens in Wildlife is when we have this outreach time, we have a, a bunch of middle school students in the room we do these kind of upfront games and skits and fun stuff to kind of, you know, break down walls. And, and in, in high school, we have to go around and we have to make sure we ask, hey, do you want to, do you want to be up front for this thing? Is this, in middle school, we don't ask, uh, beforehand. We just say, who wants to come up here? And every hand goes up. The funny part is we don't explain what we're doing. Just the hand just goes up. And then, and then you, and then you come on up and then you explain what's going on. And then every once in a while you get that kid who's like, and like goes back and sits down, and then we pull somebody else up, right? But this idea of somebody has to go first, right? And the Lord gives you what you need to be that somebody. Um, I remember uh, I, I skied a lot growing up with my brother and another set of brothers. The four of us were always together, and we we're always doing really stupid stuff. I have a lot of stories that I don't have time to share right now, but. I remember we'd always kind of look down the trail at like a real sketchy jump, and we'd be like, "All right, who's going first? You know, and it would be this, and it was selfish, right? Because you wanted somebody else to go first to say, and watch them fall. Oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Now I see the better jump. But here's the thing with that. It's like you miss out on the adventure, right? Like, so, so when, when Peter, there's two people in the world who can say they've walked on water, right? God and Peter, right? And Peter got out of the boat. He went first, 
right? He didn't say, well, I'm going to wait for all the 11 others to go, and then I'll see how it goes, and then I'll get out. Like, everybody else stayed behind. But Peter stood up, stood up, got out of the boat, and walked towards Jesus. Two people in the world that can say they walked on water. I am not one of them. None of us here. Peter and Jesus. And I love that story because, you know, the, we always joke that when we read that story in Young Life context, because a lot of times kids are hearing it for the first time, we say, and then Peter began to sink and he died. And they're, they're like, just kidding. And then Jesus reaches down and grabs him, right? Like, Jesus is with him. He doesn't let Peter drown. He's right there in the adventure. And man, what a what an adventurous part of Peter's journey. And if he hadn't stepped out of the boat, he would have never experienced that. And the faith of his 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 friends, his disciples in the boat, to see that happen. Yes, it was Peter, but other people were there that in that moment, being able to kind of glean from what was going on and be able to experience, oh my gosh, look what Peter just did. I wish, Do you think when Peter got back in the boat, his friends were like, yeah, that was dumb. I'm so glad he didn't do that. No, they were probably kicking themselves because they're like, man, I could have I could have walked out to Jesus. And the thing about the, the, that story that's great is Peter doesn't do it so that he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't do it to look better. He, he knows that if that's Jesus, I need to be as close to him as I can. So I need to go to him. And Jesus calls us into situations a lot of times that do not make sense. Jesus calls Peter to come out to him on the water in the middle of the night on a lake. I mean, we would say by all accounts, like, we wouldn't, if we were one of the disciples, we wouldn't fault the others. We'd be like, yeah, it doesn't, don't do that. That doesn't make sense. But Peter goes out and he lives and experiences his life with Christ that nobody else has and nobody else can take away from him. He is super close to Jesus in that moment. So the idea here is that we have to be willing to go first. And, and here's some supporting encouragement. Exodus 13, 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud and to guide them and on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Jesus is in front of us and behind us. We can applaud the bravery of the English explorers in the fact that they went for it. They had the go part down, right? They really went for it. Uh, but we see some missteps there. We are all called to go, to step out of the boat, to go on the trip, into the calling God has for us to spread his message. But it starts with a step. And in order to travel, to walk with God in what he's asking us to do, we need to pack properly. For our second point today, we're going to look at some more scripture from Jesus. This is from Luke 12, 35 through 38. He says this, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. We need to know what to bring with us as we go. We need to be prepared and have a strong foundation. We need to be ready to go. The English explorers were unprepared to say the least. They didn't bring what the trip required. They brought a lot of stuff, too much. They weren't willing to let go of a lot of the baggage. You know, when we uh, we have four children, and uh, we recently, uh, for the first time in probably four or five years, went on a family vacation, just our immediate family without in-laws or anything. And uh, my wife found these super cheap tickets on Frontiers. Anybody flown Frontier? 
Okay, you know exactly what this experience is like. And, um, you know, that's our budget. We're a frontier family. Um, and uh, the idea was how far south can we go for how cheap? And so she found like $55 round trip tickets. We went, and we took the, the kids down to the beach in Florida. This meant that uh, each of us would bring one personal item and that was it. And personal item, uh, it, they're pretty, like you got to measure that bag, right? So f- for the future, make sure you measure that bag. Uh, but it's not a, it's supposed to be smaller than a backpack. But we thought beach vacation, what, what, you don't need much. You need the floaties to keep the youngers alive. You need, um, some bathing suits and some t-shirts, right? It's not like we're going skiing and that requires tons of bags of stuff. And so we literally got, got away with that with just a backpack per person. And that, that made sense for that trip. Had we been going to Colorado to ski and pack the same exact things we did for Florida, that wouldn't make sense at all. Or vice versa. Imagine we're going to Florida and we're like, hey, did you get the skis? Like, do you have the winter gear? Do you have the hats, the gloves? That wouldn't make sense either. And we see that in this illustration from these these sailors, right? They pack an organ. They pack 1,200 books. Um, they don't pack winter gear and they're going to the Arctic. But we do that. I do that. How many times I look back in my life, I'm like, man, I, I really brought the wrong stuff. Like the Lord was moving in this direction, and I thought, no, nah, no, nah, I think this makes more sense, so I'm going to bring all this stuff. Or the Lord saying, hey, go here where it requires some stuff you might not have, and you have to rally people around you, but it's like, no, 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 I'm good enough, I'm good on my own, I can get by on, on my skill or whatever, and then we're left like, man, I wish I was more prepared. And I think the key is finding that middle road, is asking, and that means relying on the Lord, to say, hey, what do I need to bring, and what do I need to leave behind? In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, always being ready. And ready with the right things. We all have a faith history. Bring your faith history into it. The provisions in your life thus far. When in this idea of going for the journey and telling others about who Jesus is. We need to be prepared because we don't always know where we're going. And it doesn't always make sense. Oftentimes we're caught off guard. Or we forget something. Well, then turn around and get it with the Lord and then get back on the trail. Jesus had disciples walk with him before he sent them out on their own. We need to have people who are going to challenge us along the way. Pour into us so we have the strength to go. We need to have our travel bags properly packed. They need to fit in the overhead bin. But they should be packed and ready at all times. When we go on a trip, there are things that we need to bring to have in place. There are also things that don't make sense to bring along. For the last main point this morning, we're going to look at a scripture that I read earlier, Matthew 10, 5 through 10, and 17 through 20. I'm going to read that again for us. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take along no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Be on guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account... You will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. 
At that time you will be given what to say, for it will be not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I realized that was supposed to be read earlier. I just kind of jumped in and, and started plowing ahead. That was our second reading for the day, so amen. This is a tough passage because you read this and, and Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to be flogged. You're going to be in prison. Like he, he doesn't lay out a, pre, a really rosy colored picture. right? He says, hey, here, there's some things that are going to happen. I think I would have heard that and be like, oh, that's, that's, that'll happen to the other 11, not to me. Right? But Jesus says, no, 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 these are some things that are going to happen because of you spreading my love. And so I think the idea here is, is knowing that we need to rely on the Lord. He even says that the words will be given to you at the due time. Like not even, oh, I need to prep, I need to think, I need to come up with what Jeff would say, I need to be smart enough, quick enough, all these things. No, 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 the Lord's like, no, I'm going to give you the words. The Spirit will give you the words uh, when you need them. This is a tough one for me because I, I am an overpacker. And I think I need to bring along all sorts of stuff because it becomes about me. It becomes about, well, no, 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 I, I'll do this separate from the Lord. The Lord's work, but I'll, I'll plow ahead. And if I can just, you know, muster up enough strength or think through things differently, I'll figure it out. And that's not at all what this is saying. He's saying that there's going to be hardships, but those are the best views because you are closest to Jesus. You are Peter on the water walking out to him. I had a friend in college named Tom Mangum. And uh, Tom was this guy who, he grew up in Southeast Asia. He was a missionary kid. And Tom, the whole Mangum family was a lot different than the Pearson family, the way he grew up. And, and I was kind of envious of it. They just, things just kind of worked out. Uh, but also they, but like in a way where they didn't, they didn't stress about it. They had this resolve with the Lord where I'm like, like Matt, his cousin was a roommate of mine. I feel like Matt got through college because of me, because I would remind him that like, Hey, you need to go to class or you have a test tomorrow. Uh, but, but they just had this like trust in the Lord. It was just kind of like, eh, it'll work out. Here's an example. Um, Tom was not, didn't bring much along when he went places. And uh, he was flying home to Southeast Asia for, I think, summer break to, to be with his family. And, um, you know, I'm the type that get to the airport early, you know, make sure I'm at the gate, all that, you know, really prepared. Tom um, was used to a different lifestyle than I was. And uh, Tom was at a connecting flight somewhere uh, over in the Middle East, I think, to hop over to Southeast Asia. And uh, he just decided, I'm going to take a nap. So he laid down and fell asleep. And he missed his, he missed his connecting flight. So rather than, you know wake himself up and like, you know, do all that thing. He just found the next flight he needed to be on. And he, instead of staying alert, he just laid down like kind of across the, uh, where you'd get on the plane with a note on himself said, please wake me up for this flight. I mean, that's just like outside my realm. Um, and sure enough, sure enough, some polite person, hey, your flight's here. Thanks. Gets on the plane. Tom had this view of things that was different than mine. You know, Tom was like, no, I'm going to pack lightly and I'm also just going to trust the Lord. But my, my Western mindset was, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you gotta, you gotta do you. You gotta be prepared. You gotta take care of number one. And, and, and no, he's like, ah, I'm just gonna lay down here. And, and somebody will, somebody will wake me up. Tom trusted in the Lord in a way that I had not seen before, just in terms of the day to day of life. <clears throat> we need to go and leave behind the things that are unnecessary and that will weigh us down. Our baggage, our shortcomings, our excuses. Our dot, dot, dots. The things that we write off. Oh, I'm not, not me. I'm not good enough. I'm not bold enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have those giftings. Uh, I've got all this other stuff going on in my life. 
You know, all these things that are like, no, no, that's, we're missing the point. The point is that Jesus says go, and in, in that we get to tell other people about who he is and experience him on a deeper level in our own hearts. God will provide. We have these excuses, the fine china, the organ, the busyness, but it's all for nothing because we, when we pack too much, we, we miss the view. To open this illustration, uh, this point, I'm going to share another reading from the Sacred Romance. Chapter 10, it says, On the road, Abraham left his country, his people, and his father's household to follow the most outlandish sort of promise from a God he'd only just met and never came back. Jacob and his sons went to Egypt for some groceries, and 400 years later, the Israel nation pulled up stakes and headed for home. Peter, Andrew, James, and John all turned on a dime one day to follow the master. Their fishing nets heaped in wet piles behind them. God is in the business of providing. And I think providing in circumstances where it doesn't make sense or we can't see a way out. You know, when we're called to go, the disciples, man, I I really struggle with them because you look at the disciples and they left everything and followed after Jesus. And and I'm kind of like, well, I'm willing to leave this much, but maybe not this much. And, and they left this, you know, the most lucrative catch of their business lives to follow after Jesus. God is in the business of providing. When Julie and I bought our, when we bought our first house, uh, where we used to live, uh, we were so excited and, uh, we, we did all the budgeting and thought, okay, this is what, we, we talked to the previous owner, this is what, uh, heat will cost each month and things like that. And in that particular county in Pennsylvania, there had been a 10 year cap on, um, some sort of deal with, um, Pricey does heating and things. Well, the, 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 like month we moved into the house, the cap was lifted and they were playing catch up. And so this is pre kids, small house, kept it super cold, cold laundry, cold dishes, quick showers. Our first heating bill was like $600 as they caught up. And we're like, we, what, what are we going to do? We can't. Do-. So immediately we reinsulate the, the, the attic and, and try to bring it down. Well, it, it's still high, still high. And the only people that knew uh, the next month's bill number was the company, Julia, myself, and the Lord. And and I remember we're driving home from something. I'm thinking, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we can stay in this house. I don't know what we're going to do. And uh, in our mailbox when we get home that evening is an envelope with a hand note on it, no address. And to the dime has the amount of money for our, our heating bill that month. And there's a little note inside that says, you've warmed our hearts, now warm your home. I can't explain that. I wish I could. Um, I'm the type that's like, no, I need to find out who put that there so I can thank them. And, and, and this can all like make linear sense. Uh, but I don't know. And I just thank the Lord for his provision. And, uh, you know, we all probably have some sort of heating bill story if we really sit down and think about it. We can see where the Lord has provided something in our lives where it did not make sense. And so when we go, we need to understand that in this scripture, he says, hey, don't take much. It's because he wants to provide it for us. I think when we overpack, we miss the Lord. When we overpack, we're like, no, no, I'm prepared for this situation because I have X in my bag. But it's like, no, 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 if, if I had, if I had all the money in the world, that heating bill would have, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. But because of the way it played out, I had to trust the Lord. And, and I wish I could say, oh, I just, I just, I just was like, oh, Lord, you got this. No, I was stressed out and I was, how can I figure this out? How can I save some money? How? And then the Lord's like, no, no, I got this. Here you go. And I think when we overpack, we, we miss out on that. God is in the business of providing, knowing what he is doing, that he is in control. That's why when things seem out of control, he really shows up. 
In Luke 5, Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their nets up to shore, left everything and followed him. Jesus was a minimalist. He didn't really even have a home. He kind of just went along and the Lord provided. The Lord isn't going to send us out without taking care of us. The Lord provided daily for the Israelites in the desert wanderings, literally their daily bread in the form of manna. We need to trust to bring what the Lord tells us to let go of what is not good for us. The English explorers brought so many of the wrong things which led to their ultimate undoing. Today we need to thin out. We get wrapped up in too much stuff. I'm not just talking about material possession, but other other things like thought life, trust, fear, and the list goes on and on. Jesus wants us, lighten our, wants us to lighten our load and to stop worrying so much. Comparison is the thief of joy. Materialism is draining. Wasting our thought life is draining. Being preoccupied with worldly things. Being scared to really step up and do what we feel we are being called to do. To take, talk to someone about Jesus. To change our lives. To help others. We want this for you guys. I want this for me. And this is what we're about in Young Life. We want students to experience the adventure that Jesus has called them on, but to do so without being weighed down by all, by the organ, by the china, by the silverware. We're about teenagers. Kids are told so many lies today. They're pulled in so many directions from all angles, telling them the the wrong things will satisfy them. That stuff will fix the void in their hearts, looking a certain way, getting the china, whatever it is. But it's true for us too. And as much as I know this truth, I can get away from it sometimes. And then look back and be like, why am I dragging a boat full of fine china and silverware when I know that that's not going to cut it? We're trying to share the gospel with high school students. They are told to pack the china to bring the organ along, but all this, all these things whispering in their ears are dragging them down. Jack Johnson, uh, on the radio a lot, uh, wrote a song a couple years ago, and the, and the quote in the song is, didn't even exist last year, now it's what we need. And I think we can get caught up in that as well. It all comes back to trust and control. We want to overpack things we don't need. Arguing with ourselves, yeah, but what if? We try to create security and stuff. We need to give it up, control, worry, our thoughts, fears, it all. This is scary and awesome encouragement as we look through these scriptures to see the hand of God provide. We need to lose the things that are slowing us down, living a life that is not for the Lord, to live a life full for the Lord. So to recap, we are called to go. We need to know what to bring with us when we go. We need to be prepared and have a strong foundation. We need to let go and leave behind the things that are unnecessary and that will weigh us down, trusting that God will provide. We know that things that are weighing us down, things that we need to release to the Lord in order for us to go, they might be easy things to let go of. They might be things we need help with to let go of. We see the Great Commission that we're all called to go and spread the message of the gospel. We are called to go in our giftings, in the way that the Lord has wired us, in the communities that we live in, the relationships that we have. When you contrast the disciples with the English explorers, you see the disciples were told to bring nothing. The English explorers brought way too much. The main difference is this. The disciples went off for the glory of the Lord. The explorers for their own accomplishment and country pride. We need to check our heart focus. A trip now consists of many forms of transportation. Back in the day, it was all about walking. Walking was something that was understood and more clearly back then than perhaps today. 
So this idea of walking with the Lord, the disciples literally were walking with the Lord. And he's asking us to do the same thing. So in closing, when we talk about this idea of going and knowing one's calling, that can be a difficult thing to tackle, and that's a whole other talk. But I want to encourage you with this. How to know your calling. Pray. Listen and watch. We can look at Elijah for this. He put himself in a position where he could hear the Lord. He even strained to hear him. Elijah did what the Lord told him to do. In 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, it says this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah recognized the Lord because he had often conversed and spent time with him. He recognized his voice because he knew it. This is a challenge for me. I run at 100 miles an hour, it feels like sometimes. Not taking time uh, to listen to the still, small voice of the Lord. I'd much rather be like, no, Lord, just move that mountain, tear it down, I'll know it's you. When that's that quick, just give me something fast. But Elijah spent time learning and recognizing the voice of the Lord. We are called to go. I'm going to pray as we close this time and we'll move on to the next part of the service. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for getting us up this morning and getting us here. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that this is about you. It's about your love that entered our hearts. And it's about us being able to be a part of the privilege of sharing that love with others who desperately need to hear it. So Lord, I pray that we would daily own it for ourselves and we would daily look to you for ways that we can tell others about who you are. In your name I pray. Amen.